This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Entitled my message tonight, Cry or I. Turn to the person next to you and cry. It's very good, whoever was crying over there. That's not the kind of cry I'm talking about tonight. So this week I've just had something stirring in my heart and my spirit about the word cry and, and basically because there's multiple different types of cry. You know, there's the type of uh, sit in the corner and cry. There's the type of crying in happiness and that sort of stuff. But what I want to focus on tonight and the angle I'm taking with this word cry tonight is when we cry out to him. And um, we lead into Easter very shortly. Um, I'm on holidays this coming week and so I don't get to preach next weekend, um, which is Palm Sunday, if I remember rightly. Um, And so... Um, Normally I start my Easter messages on Palm Sunday, but I don't get to do that. Um, So we are going to look a little bit about the lead into Easter as well tonight. Um, If that's all right, I didn't bring Easter eggs. Right. So cry, because when we cry out, there's there's just something about someone crying out. And I I was actually (laughs) at a barbecue this afternoon for someone's birthday, and we were sitting down and um, I, I had this little kid walk past me and they walked up the back. The yard we were at was quite a big yard, and they went up the back, and they're sitting in this little red, you know those red cars with the yellow tops where the kids sit in, and they like the Flintstone-type cars where they can move around. And so this kid is actually in this car, so he's quite hidden, and he's a little bit away, probably about from me to where Nick lives, um, away, and all of a sudden there was a cry. There was just a cry went out, and his mum jumped up, and ran over and started looking for him because her ear was attuned to his cry. And there's just something about when our kids cry, as parents, we're attuned to it. Now, uh, Pastor Lynette and myself had the privilege to raise four fine young people um, in life, and we can be in a whole room of other kids, but when our kids cry, we hear it. It's like we know it's our kid. In actual fact, there's different kinds of cry. And, you know, I I learnt with my kids that there's the stop everything I'm doing and go and attend that child because the cry is urgent. And then there's the other cry that says, I want attention. It's not the serious cry. It's like the cry that as as the the scream is coming out of their mouth, as a parent it's going, yeah, I'm just going to wait till it gets a bit more serious. I'm going to wait to see whether they scream themselves out in effort because I could tell the difference between a serious cry and one that was just purely for attention. And so, you know, as this mum got up and because she could hear this cry and it was a, it was a lost cry and I just said to mum, I said, he's in that little red car up the back because I knew where he was because he walked past me and I watched where he was going. And so, you know, there was that moment where the cry reached her ear. And I want to tell you, as one of God's kids, he hears your cry. As a child of God, he hears your cry. Even in those moments where we think the heavens are brass, you know, God spoke to me a number of years ago about that saying. Because, you know, sometimes we say, well, when I pray, the heavens are like brass. Can I encourage you tonight? Your prayers never need to go to the heavens. So it's irrelevant whether you think the heavens are brass tonight because this is what God promises us, that he's with us. And in actual fact, all I need to do to catch his attention is just to whisper because he's that close. 
And so my prayers never need to go to the heavens because God is with us. And if God is with us, in actual fact, the Bible takes it a step further and says, if you're a born-again believer, that he's taken residence in your heart. And so really the words don't even need to leave your mouth if you don't want them to because he lives internally within you. And so therefore he knows your thoughts. He knows what you need, the Bible says, even before you cry out to him. And so can I encourage you tonight, it's good to cry to God because he's interested in you. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says for everyone, any, any, is there anyone here tonight? Like any, any, any humanoids? Any human beings? People are going, what's a humanoid? Let me just check what that is before I put my hand up for that one. It says, for anyone who calls or cries, speaks out on the name of Jesus or the name of the Lord, will be saved. Oh, come on. Chapter 2, verse 21, I'll read it. In actual fact, don't even move from where you are. In actual fact, if you want to stay where you are, you can read along. Because God thought this was so important, he put it in there twice. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, that encouragement is given, but also in Acts chapter 2 verse 21, the same encouragement is given. So, and you know, the, the great thing about it being in Romans and the great thing about it being in Acts is it's not like the Gospels, you know, because we've got four Gospels and often the Gospels repeat, do they not? Where it's like you read one story in the Gospels and then you can go to another story and you can read the story in, the gospel, in that Gospel as well. But here we have in the book of Acts where it says, you know, um, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it says exactly the same thing in Romans. And so you get this picture that God's wanting to get our attention. And basically what he's saying is when you call out to him in desperation for salvation, the answer is there. So you don't need to fear. If you've cried out to God for salvation and if you've come to him with a repentant heart, you don't need to fear whether he's heard you or not. He's heard you because he's not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. And so when we call out to him, the Bible says we will be saved. Isn't that fantastic? All right, if you're taking notes, write number one, Hosanna. As leading into Easter, leading into Easter we have the story where Palm Sunday comes from, where there was a crowd where Jesus told his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem and that he must suffer many things. And so part of the journey to Jerusalem was that as he entered Jerusalem, he actually entered as the victorious Messiah. And what happened was the crowd just all got on board. And one of the things I hate about the crowd is that it's super fickle. The crowd can be so fickle. I mean, I made a determination in my heart not to speak about football for some reason. But one of the things I've learned about sporting crowds is that they are super fickle. If your team, if you go to the MCG and your team is getting absolutely belted, but if you go to that MCG and your team's getting belted, what will happen is there is a good section of paid-up members that will get up and leave because their team has no chance of winning. How pathetic is that? You, know, how, you have to say that, Nick, because you're a St Kilda supporter and you know the pain. It's true. Don't worry, I can say it as an Essendon supporter and everything's okay. Yeah. So 
the crowd can be fickle. So if the crowd is fickle around us, why do we want to follow the crowd? Why do we want to be in the in crowd? Why is it that we want to look like, speak like, act like, and just follow the crowd? It does not take much to whip up a crowd. We see it in our society now where it doesn't take much to get people super excited about something and whip them into a frenzy. And for us in this generation, it's super easy because we can all become keyboard warriors and go spew out whatever we want to spew out on a keyboard, hit send, and have no responsibility to the words that we're sending out. And so if we're not careful, the crowd can determine our thoughts and the crowd can determine our actions where we were never, ever, ever designed and put together and called to follow the crowd. We were actually called as believers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's our mission, just to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not to follow the crowd, because the crowd will lead you up a creek. So in Mark chapter 11, we're going to read about Jesus coming into Jerusalem the week before what we celebrate as Easter. Mark chapter 11, and we're going to read from verse 8 onwards. Says many in the crowd spread their garments on the ground ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they'd cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all of, and and the people all around him were shouting. Look at this. There was a cry that went out that day. I want to tell you, if you were in Jerusalem that day, you knew something was happening. You knew that there was something happening that day because there was a large crowd and they were shouting, praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessing on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, praise God in the highest heaven. So praise God in the highest heaven is Hosanna. And so some versions of the Bible will say that they waved their palm branches, they stuck their palm branches on the ground, they even threw their coats before him. We don't understand the significance of that act. Because I want to tell you, if we have a coat and it gets damaged, what do we do? We just go and buy another one. We, we, we just go and if you don't have enough money, you can find one at the op shop. Great op shop in town, isn't there, TC boys? Yeah. So, but in these days... They couldn't just go to Target. They couldn't just go to Kmart. They just couldn't go to Myers. They couldn't go to Dolce, whatever it is. They, 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 they couldn't just go on the internet. They couldn't jump on the internet and go, fine-looking coat for me to wear and pay with a credit card and get it sent straight through their door. No, they had to go and either buy material and make it or they had to find a tailor who could make it for them. And so just the act that these people were ruining their garments. Is Jesus riding a donkey? Anyone ever had a coat ran over by a donkey? I actually think so. But I just thought I'd ask just in case. But donkeys have these things called hooves, and I reckon by the time the donkey had walked over your coat, it's got donkey footprints in it, and you will wear it the next day and someone will go, oh, I was there too. They will know because your coat will be damaged. And, and so they took something that was valuable to them and they placed it before 
the Messiah and they were acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah and there was a cry that went out from the crowd. And the cry was this, was praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessing on the kingdom of heaven, our ancestor David, praise God in uh, in the highest heaven. And I want to challenge you tonight that that cry needs to be on our lips. Blessed is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. Because this same crowd, within a week, had changed their tune. There was a different cry that was started to come out of their mouths. And so you've got Mark chapter 11, then just three chapters later, Mark chapter 14, if you're taking notes, write this, number two, guilty. And all of a sudden they had made assertions about who Jesus was. Because if you, if you take time and read that whole story, what had happened was the, Faddis- the Pharisees, I've still got COVID brain with some things, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if I say Pharisees, it's probably just a quicker way to say it, is it not? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law had been whipping the crowd up against Jesus. And they'd been spreading false testimony about Jesus. And so the crowd went from, he's the son of David, who's the Messiah, blessed blessed be his kingdom, to, no, guilty, guilty, all within half a week. The crowd is so fickle. Don't follow the crowd because you don't know what you're following. Follow the king of kings and the Lord of lords because you know what you're following. So in Mark chapter 14, verses 62 and 65, says, Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power in God's, at God's right hand and, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and showed his horror and said, why do we need other witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fist. Prophesy to us, they jeered, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. See, all of a sudden there's a shift in the temperament and the thinking around Jesus. One moment he's Messiah, one moment he's coming in the name of the Lord, One moment they're saying he's going to rule on King David's throne forever and then the next moment they're spitting and they're mocking and they're saying he's guilty and deserves to die. We need to be careful how we view Jesus because when we get the wrong picture of who he is, we actually get a distorted image of what he can do for us. And so they went from seeing him as Messiah to seeing him as guilty prisoner. And because of that, because their shift went from he's the one that's going to inhabit the throne of David, they were able to mock him. I want to tell you, our world mocks Jesus. Our world mocks God. Our world will mock him and mock him and mock him. In actual fact, they mock us. You know, when we stand up for truth, they say things like, well, you're just this, and you're just that, and you just believe this, and you're this, and you're that. 
it becomes a mocking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because Jesus says this, when the world hates you, don't worry about it because they're actually hating him, not us. Because it's positional, it's not personal. And so the cry that came out of the crowd went from Hosanna to guilty. And because they shifted and because they said he was guilty and because they said he was no good, because they said he can't help us anymore, all of a sudden they started to mock him. How did they mock him? They spat at him. I don't know whether you've ever been spat on, but it's a disgusting thing to happen. I hate it. I've been spat on in life sometimes. Because sometimes people are so angry that they'll spit on you. And it's like, it's just vile. It's just off. And then what they did was they took it a step further and they blindfolded him. And then they started to hit him. And in a mocking tone, they would hit him and say, come on, prophesy. Tell us who hit you. Tell us who hit you. Can I encourage you? It's a dangerous position when we mock God. You know, it's like, well, I don't mock God. If we're not careful, we can mock him by the way we think about him. We can mock him by the things we say about him. You know, those moments where we say, well, he don't exist. It's a mocking statement. The third thing that they cried is found in Mark chapter 15. They cried this, they cried, crucify him. So their mocking and their voice of guilty actually took a further step backwards where they wanted to kill him. Had this strange story in the Bible. I, I always think it's strange because you have this, Pilate gives the crowd the choice. Pilate says, do you want me to release Barabbas to you, who's a known murderer, or do you want us to release Jesus to you, who I can't find any sin in? And I can't find, because Pilate said, I can't find any wrong with what he's done. So he puts it to the crowd, good democratic society, puts it to the crowd and says, well, who do you want me to release? Do you want me to release Barabbas, the murderer, the scoundrel, or do you want me to release Jesus? Look at verse 9 of Mark chapter 15. Would you like me to release to you the king of the Jews, Pilate asked. For he realized by now that they were leading, that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. Verse 11. But at this point, the leading priests stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. I don't know about you, but how would that conversation go? If the chief priest came up to you and said, I think when he says, do you want us to release Barabbas, you should re- you know, shout the murderer. We want the murderer back in our society. We want the one who we can't trust back in our society. Don't ask for Jesus who is without sin. Don't ask for Jesus, the one where no one can find a sin other than the false accusations that are being brought before him. I don't know about you, but I would hope that I would say, that don't make sense. There's something wrong with that request. Verse 12, Pilate asks them, what then? Uh, sorry, we'll go to verse 11. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus to be flogged with a lead-tip whip. Then he turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. 
you have this picture where it's like because the crowd was stirred, because there was a stirring within the crowd, it went from Hosanna to guilty to crucify him. One day they're shouting Hosanna, glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They're ruining garments. They're making such a noise that there's a procession happening. And then they're saying, well, no, actually, I think he's guilty now. And then because the crowd was stirred up even more, they got to the point where they were just shouting crucify. And when Pilate goes, well, hang on, I can't find any wrong in him, they just whipped themselves into more of a frenzy and they said, crucify him even more. So I guess if I'm Jesus, what's my response to this? Because Jesus understood that he had a mission and part of his mission was that he had to die for the sins of the world. So we're going to just, in closing today, we're going to jump down to Luke chapter 23 because there was a cry that came out of Jesus' mouth at the cross. And if you're taking notes, right, number four, have mercy because this is the thing I love about Jesus. There was a moment where the crowd were going, Hosanna to the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then there was the guilty cry. And then there was the crucify him cry. Even when Pilate goes, well, I can't find anything wrong with him. He's an innocent man. They cried even louder, crucify him. And that led Jesus to the cross. And then because he was led to the cross, there was opportunity for him to shout words back, to give a cry. It wasn't a shout, it was a cry. It was a cry came out of not only his mouth, but his heart as well. And in Luke chapter 23, verse uh, 35 onwards, it says this. It says, the crowd watching and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. See, the mocking is still going on. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. Then he called out, uh, Then they, they called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Again, they're mocking him. If you are who you say you are, go on, save yourself. Save yourself if you reckon who you are. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to death? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, as surely I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. See, there was this moment where Jesus is on the cross, insults are still being hurled at him. One of the criminals go, well, go on, save yourself. If you say who you are, save yourself, and while you're at it, save us too, that'd be nice. And the other criminal goes, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, don't you understand who's hanging next to us? And this other criminal, he actually has a cry in his own heart where he says, hey, Jesus, remember me. If you remember nothing else out of my message tonight, here's a good cry for your heart. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me. 
And so this second criminal's heart was this, and his cry was this, Jesus, remember me as you come into your kingdom. And he says this, he remembered. He says, as surely, as surely today, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. He heard the cry. Not only did he hear the cry, he actually acted the cry. And in Luke 23, verse 35, here's Jesus' cry for you. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. I I thank you that you understand us. In actual fact, church, why don't we just stand up tonight? I thank you that you understand us. Lord, and even in that moment when soldiers mocked you, Lord, even in that moment where people spat on you and hit you, Lord, as people stole your clothes and gambled for your clothes, Lord, your cry was this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And I know in my life I have acted both ignorant and arrogant. There's been times in my life where I've just been an arrogant so-and-so and I've pushed against your desire for my life. Lord, and then there's other times in my life where I've acted out of ignorance, where I haven't really understood. I really understood what I've been doing. And Lord, what we've read tonight in this last part of this message shows me two things. God, you're able to forgive me when I'm arrogant. Lord, that thief on the cross had lived an arrogant life. But when he acknowledged you, he cried out to you with an open heart. Lord, you met him where he was. Didn't matter that he was a thief dying on a cross. You met him just where he was. Lord, and when those soldiers gambled for your clothes and they did it out of arrogance because that's what they always did. And they did that out of that ignorance. Lord, you were able to say to the Father, Father, don't hold that against them. Such is your mercy for us. And so, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that if there's anyone within earshot of this message, whether it's here on person or whether it's online, and they're struggling with why would the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords notice of who I am. Lord, that revelation knowledge would come to them in this. Lord, that your cry for mercy for us reaches our soul. Lord, it not only reaches us, but it also reaches the Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, Lord, I I pray tonight, in actual fact, while every eye is closed, Christians are praying. If you're in this place and you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ, or if you're watching online and you've never surrendered to him, and you would like to do that today, if you're here in person, why don't you just raise your hand and I'll see it, and I'll pray with you to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. You will go from living in the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. What we're going to do is we're going to say this prayer because we don't know who's watching online either. So I want everyone to say this prayer after me. This is a prayer of salvation. So simply I'll just say some words and you say them after me. And if you've never done this before, I encourage you to do it with all your heart. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you have mercy upon my soul. So you forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. 
you would be Lord and Saviour of my life. I thank you that from this moment on, I'm a child of God, that I live under your favour, that I live under your peace, that I live under your rest. In Jesus' name, amen. We just want to thank you for your love. Lord, your love reaches beyond anything that we've ever done. Lord, you have made it so simple for us. We just need to love you with all our heart, soul and mind. Love our neighbour as ourself. Lord, and that positions us, Lord, into a place, Lord, where we can live under your favour, your mercy, your rest. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So good to see you in church. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.